If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. The Steelers defense is looking at game two without their captain TJ Watt out there on the field. Captain, defensive player of the year. Superman, Batman, Spider Man, NFL MVP. Like, keep going. Yeah. All time single season sack leader. It's a Mount Everest that you have to climb to make up for Mm -hmm. the lack of impact you have from number 90 being on the sideline. But I would say, and this might be a little bit of a hot take because they didn't get a single sack. I'd say they're one for one though on performances without TJ Watt. Any any way you slice it, you give up 17 points to a team in 2022, you should win that game. Yeah, it was hard to watch the lack of pass rush against Mac Jones. It and the was, Patriots. and you can't let them just march it down your throat for six straight minutes to end the game. So those are. But again, we as we laid out earlier this week, it's it's. They did they did their job on the two previous drives leading up to that. They one. did. And so I think you pointed out, Tom, that on those two drives where the Steelers got the ball back, it was like a held- minute and nine seconds in total. I think so. Like, it, so like <laughs> not, per, not quite, not, but not, it was not, like that. But maybe per drive. So you took off two and a half minutes, maybe in total, to let your to, to let your defense come back on the field for a third time in a row, and you're going to blame them for finally allowing a drive that lasted for more than a three and out or, or even four or five plays. Yeah. That's why I think, you know, you can point to frustrating moments in the game. You said lack of pass rush. I said that uh, inability to get that final stop despite getting two stops before that final stop that went um, uncapitalized by the Steelers' offense. But all in all, you have to give them a win, I think. I Again, 17 points in 2022 should be a win every single time in the NFL. And factor in the gunner, muff, Connor Hayward personal foul penalty that really made it a layup for the the Patriots offense. I, I know you could have held them to a field goal there, but so you, you give up 17 points and seven of which really your back was as far up against the wall as it literally possibly could have been. I say they're one for one. I, I say it was a job well done against that team. Now you're facing a team in Cleveland, though, that has a little bit more offensive firepower that worries me than the Patriots did. Yes, for sure. And Considering you got out of Cincinnati with a win, this could have been a lot worse, right? If you if you lose against Cincinnati in the season opener, and then you lose T.J. Watt, and sure you have a good defensive performance, but you lose that game, you're 0-2 staring down 0-3. Yep. And when it, for the Browns, everybody I think thought, oh, their identity is going to be defense, especially when... Deshaun Watson was out, right? I mean, they had a really good defense last year. They put money in their defense. They're 
Their best player is on defense in Miles Garrett, similarly to the Steelers' best player being on defense. But surprisingly enough through two games, the offense has been pretty good for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, they averaged 28 points per game in their first two games. That's that's really solid. That's top 10 in the NFL. They're right outside of the top five as far as points per game are concerned. They, they averaged 380 total yards per game, which is – it's not amazing, but it's not by any stretch of the imagination abysmal in the NFL. I mean, it's weird almost that their offense without Deshaun Watson has been the thing that's carried this team in the first two weeks of the season, and their defense has really fallen short. Uh, I mean, letting Carolina back in the game in week one and then winning it on a 59-yard miracle field goal for the Browns. And then, I mean, last week was one of the most epic displays of disaster from defense I've ever seen. I mean, since 2000, you said last uh, earlier this week, teams are 201 and zero when they have a 13 point lead with two minutes to a minute 30 left in the game clock. It's just it was one of the worst collapses in the history of the NFL. You could make a case study that it was the worst collapse in the history of the NFL. So it's so weird to me that you'd think, oh, defense is going to keep the if they're going to keep the season afloat before that December 4th game against the Texans and Deshaun comes back. It's gonna be defense. They're gonna get a lot of turnovers. They're gonna sack. They're gonna win games like seventeen to nine, and it's gonna be really ugly. Not the case. They are scoring a lot of points, and the offense is moving the ball really efficiently on the ground. They lead the league in first downs, and they lead the league on converting on third down. Fifty-three percent of the time, they pick up the first down on third down. They keep the ball. They possess it. They sustain drives, and they put points on the board. The offense? They scored 30 points against the Jets. Oh, 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 oh. I'm, I'm thinking I, that's regard, but yes, you're, you're absolutely right. Like They put up that many points. However, you don't expect any team like operating like the Steelers to do that. No, that's why I'm a little concerned about this game is I think you might need to score a little bit more to keep up with the Browns. And how good is that Steelers rush defense? Because... I think this is the first week you get a real test about it. I mean, I, I know Mixon's a really good back, and I know that Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson had decent games against the Steelers, and you know the Patriots like to run the ball a lot offensively as well, but I don't think you'll see a running back in the league better than Nick Chubb this year. I think he's going to be the king this year. I think he's the best in the game. Henry has a really slow start, and he was mm-hmm. injured last year. Chubb has not had a slow start. He has been tearing it up. Three touchdowns last week, despite not reaching 100 yards on the ground, but he mm-hmm. eclipsed 100 yards the week before in Carolina. He's the second leading rusher in the NFL, trailing only Saquon Barkley mm-hmm. by just about like eight, seven yards, something minuscule like that. I think he's the new king. I think he wears the crown. And on top of that, their backup is one of the best backup running backs in the entire NFL. Kareem Hunt would start for uh, several teams across the league if he was there in their running back room. So. You're getting your stiffest test not only through f- the first three games as far as the running game is concerned. You're probably getting your stiffest test that you will all year. Maybe the Ravens are the only team that could boast a stiffer test that's on your schedule. In terms of a run or offense? In terms of a run offense that you need to stop the run, and I don't know, even good run defenses have trouble stopping the run against these teams. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at the Steelers last year. They had a decent – they they should have had a decent enough run defense, and they were letting teams like the Detroit Lions run for 200 yards. Dalvin Cook ran for 200 yards in the first half 
against them. So I know last year was a little bit different. Now you have you have guys alongside Cam Hayward, but for sure this is going to be a, a huge test for them throughout the entire season. And to get it this early on, when you're already facing so many other problems elsewhere, for sure this is this is this has to be maybe. Priority number one across both sides of the football. Stop Nick Chubb. Stop Kareem Hunt. That's a lot easier said than done, obviously. Of course, yeah. That's that's the issue is that you have a, a, a clear a clear priority here, and it's not going to be the easy task, especially without T.J. Watt on the field. He had 113 scrimmage yards last week and three rushing touchdowns. It's his ninth career game with two-plus touchdowns. You're saying Nick ground. Chubb. This is Nick Chubb. Uh, he aims for his third uh, game in a row with 100 plus scrimmage yards. He has 225 scrimmage yards, 112.5 per game, and two rushing touchdowns in his past two games on Thursday night football. Kareem Hunt had 74 scrimmage yards in week two. He aims for a third week in a row with at least 70 plus scrimmage yards. He has 522 scrimmage yards, 130 per game, five tutties, three three uh, through <laughs> the air, two on the ground, and four career games on Thursday night football. I mean, on Thursday Night Football, that's kind of a, just a, oh, that's a unique stat. It doesn't really mean anything, but they ball out when the lights are on, and it's a short week. And, I, I mean, you look at three weeks in a row for Nick Chubb going 100 yards plus from scrimmage, Nick Kareem Hunt three weeks in a row going 70 yards plus from scrimmage. What a two-headed monster that is where between the two of them over the past couple of games, you're looking at 180-plus yards from scrimmage. Mm-hmm. It's not You're looking at the biggest two-headed monster in the league right now. And they split the field. I mean, like, almost exactly. Like, to the point where Nick Chubb has one more snap than Kareem Hunt does on the field so far. I mean, week one, you saw, yes, Nick Chubb had a better running day, but Kareem Hunt was the one who scored the two touchdowns. And then this past week, it was the opposite. Well, not so much the opposite, but it was Nick Chubb scoring the touchdowns and having the big day. So and it doesn't. Kareem Hunt also had a big day. Exactly. Like they just, you can't. They're the you best. cannot they're predict the one-two punch. You cannot predict which one of these guys is going to be the Achilles heel to the opposing defense. And Tom, I, I hate to say it, but without T.J. Watt out there, I mean, you saw with, <clears throat> excuse me, you saw last week Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris just Bill Belichick run the ball down their throats. They have no T.J. Watt out there. Cam Hayward's going to get tired. The other guys are going to get tired because we keep them out on the field and their offense. Just keeps them on the field as well. Where their do their offense is doing their defense no favor. So let's just keep running the ball, keep the clock, clock excuse me, keep the clock winding down, and they're gonna get real tired real fast. And by the end of the game, that's exactly what happened, and that's why that last drive by the Patriots lasted six and a half minutes. So say you stop the run. Say you're very successful against Nick Chubb. First downs, he's only getting two yards. He's getting frustrated. You're doing a great job in that aspect. What do you fear in the passing game for the Cleveland Browns? Amari Cooper, I think he still has it. He's had some pretty good games right out the jump mm-hmm. for the Browns. He's clearly been the favorite target of Jacoby Brissett in his two games as the interim quarterback until Deshaun Watson comes back. Other than that, though, it's a pretty big drop-off in that receiving core. And maybe you throw Peoples-Jones into that category closer to Cooper as a clear one too. Then it's just off a cliff. David Bell obviously is a rookie, uh, had the third highest snap count from the wide receiver position last week with just 20 snaps, uh, where Cooper and Peoples-Jones both played 54 snaps last week. So you're going to see a lot of just two wide receivers on the field and a lot of jumbo packages. They're going to use two tight ends. 
They use three tight ends a lot if they can, but our old friend Jesse James is on IR, so you probably mm. won't be seeing much of the the three tight end uh, set for the Browns offensively in this game. But passing game, I'm not scared of Cooper anymore, but no. I know he can still hurt you, and he's a very cerebral player that is going to run routes well, and he's going to be in the right place at the right time. And then on the other side of that, I don't think Jacoby Brissett's going to make too many mistakes. I think he's a very efficient, manage-the-game, good backup quarterback. Here's the thing, though. With T.J. Watt in this game, Jacoby Brissett, I could easily see making those mistakes because he's someone who can— I could have seen Mac Jones making about five more mistakes with T.J. Watt bearing down That's That's the difference maker. That's why he's considered the best defensive player in the league right now. That's why he won Depoy last year. So I'm a lot less afraid of— of Jacoby Brissett, of Mac Jones with T.J. Watt out there, but I think you bring up a great point. Without that disruptor there, he's not going to feel as nearly as pressured without number 90 on the field. So I agree. I think I think it's a good point. And, and, and to your Amara Cooper point, you were saying how he doesn't really have – he's not the same guy he once was. Next time the Steelers face off against this team, could be a very dangerous matchup with Amara Cooper having Deshaun Watson throwing the ball. Having a real quarterback like Deshaun throwing the ball – could be a, a great marriage for a quarterback-wide receiver duo like the two of them. In week one, Donovan Peoples-Jones was targeted 11 times by Brissett, but he only got one target last week. Amari Cooper got nine of Brissett's 27 potential targets in week two, and guess what? He caught all of them. He was mm-hmm. nine for nine, 101 yards and a touchdown. His 37% target share was the sixth most of all NFL receivers last week. So he's going to look Amari Cooper's way. And I don't know how you couldn't if you're Jacoby Brissett. He's clearly your best weapon uh, in that passing game on that team. So expect to see a lot from Amari Cooper in this game. Hopefully the Steelers do a good job of of scheming him out of the game, making him kind of go towards Peoples-Jones, making him go to David Bell, making him go to Njoku and the tight ends more often than Cooper. But you said something about... You don't have T.J. Watt to force quarterbacks into a mistake with a lot of pressure. You saw last week Mac Jones really had a a day in the park against the Steelers in the pocket. He was very rarely pressured, very rarely knocked on his butt. He had a a game that was probably pretty enjoyable for him, and he woke Mm -hmm. up on Monday morning probably feeling less sore than he has in a, a long time in some games. So how do you avoid that being Jacoby Brissett this week? I I don't know. They still didn't blitz very much against the Patriots. Maybe you have to start dialing up a little bit more blitzes. If if Superman's not there to get the job done on his own, to get four guys home, you got to send five, send six. You have to be more creative, and, and you have to, at least in my mind, I would say, Jacoby Brissett's not going to beat a blitz more often than not. I mean, he's going to get swallowed up by this. Maybe there's one or two plays where he recognizes it and he can hit Njoku 15 20 yards down the middle of the field and he's wide open because that field was vacated on a Devin Bush blitz so maybe he recognized it once or twice but you're not facing Brady you're not facing Rodgers I would send some more exotic looks his way I I think that's how you would have been able to get Mac Jones off his spot a lot if you made him think a little bit harder it just didn't seem like he had to think much because he always knew where the pressure was coming because it was very rare that the Steelers would dial up a blitz yeah that that needs to happen that you need to see a lot more of that. Just, just some guy, some extra guy getting to the quarterback, just to cause any kind of disruption to make up for the absence of T.J. Watt. And here's the thing, too, Tom Jacoby Brissett, he's not the most mobile guy, but in his prime, he was able to use his feet. And so maybe you take advantage of that. Maybe you think, maybe you force Jacoby to, 
to use those legs that he once relied on, and then you have your extra rusher come in and swallow him up from the backside, something we saw Alex Highsmith do a lot of in week one. Didn't see it as much in, in week two, but he did have that big hit on Mac Jones on the forced interception by Minka Fitzpatrick. So, yeah, any extra type of pass rush that you can employ at this guy, I think is going to be a huge difference. Absolutely. He's, he's good for what he is. But he's not a quarterback you should fear. No, I don't. And I, I don't. And again, I think Mac Jones was kind of like that too. He's good for what he mm-hmm. is, but he's not a quarterback you should necessarily fear. I'd, who do you fear more, Mac Jones or Jacoby Brissett? Mac Jones, one hundred percent. Right. So, and you should have beaten Mac Jones last week. You should have beaten Mac Jones. Your last defense week. did enough to beat Mac Jones. It was just the offense, and there lies the the important question: Will your defense do enough? In, 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 in tandem with your offense to win you this game. I, I don't know if it's if I think that's going to be so, and it's not to the fault or the discredit of the defense. I agree. I, I think that this might be a game, though, where the defense sees a little bit more put up on the scoreboard. If they can't stop the run, I think the Browns have the potential to meet their points-per-game average so far, getting to the mid to, le- to the high 20s when they put up uh, points offensively. They're... They're not a bad offense. It and just comes down to, I mean... Cincinnati's very constipated right now. Mm-hmm. So, I know Jamar Chase just ate against the Steelers, but that offense isn't up to full speed. No, when you... when The you... Patriots offense is garbage. Mm-hmm. This is probably, as far as, you know, I, I think the Bengals are more prolific on paper, but as far as actual, you know, tangible stuff on the field this year so far, it's the best offense you're going to face right to, me, to this point. To me, there's one factor, and it's, it's laughable. I'm, I'm giggling here. That's going to prevent the Browns from having a great day on offense. Can you guess what I'm going to say? Is it Alex Highsmith? It's not. It's not It's not anybody on the Steelers. It's Kevin Stefanski. If he decides to not run the ball. If he's going to have that 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 mind you know, blurb happen again where he just overthinks it and he, and he puts the ball in Jacoby Brissett's hands and instead of putting it in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt's hands, then yeah, I think the Steelers have a winning formula there or at least enough on defense to stop that offense. But if, if Stefanski just says, you know, enough is enough. I know Brissett isn't even that great. And sure, he can make some smart decisions, but there's nobody in this league who would be dumb enough to put the ball in his hands instead of Kareem Hunt and or Nick Chubb's hands. What am I doing here? I got to just put it in my running back's hands. Then, yeah, I could see the Browns easily running away with this game because if the Browns just stick to the run, Tom, think about it. I think they win. The Browns. I think can, they win this game if they stick if, to the run. Am I am I over am I overestimating here or exaggerating here when I think the time of possession coming out of the first half could be something like 20 to 10, 21 to 9 in no. favor of the Browns? No, I don't think so. The Browns almost double up the Steelers as far as time of possession is concerned through just the first couple games of the season so far. Um Browns are third in the league, 35 minutes 20 seconds, Steelers are 30th in the league, 24 Minutes, 28 seconds. So not quite doubled up, but plus 10, plus 11 in that department Mm -hmm. in the Browns' favor. You're not insane to think that that would be the case after the start of this game. And as far as Stefanski, you know, abandoning the run and getting pass happy, that's a problem I'm looking at starting December 4th when Deshaun Watson comes in the game. And you know what? He might get away with it now because if Deshaun Watson's who Deshaun Watson was before getting hurt and then being a total creep and getting suspended, mm-hmm. you can pass the ball a lot and have a lot of success. It's not like it's Baker Mayfield that you're just yielding to and and, and trying to 
push the ball down the field with number six. So he could do a lot better in that category, but I don't think he's going to feel any, I don't think he's going to feel any reason to abandon the run and push things towards Jacoby Brissett in the passing game. And you haven't seen that so far for the first couple of games uh, of the season for the Browns. They've been sticking to the run and it has served them extremely well on the offensive side of the ball. So Maybe Stefanski gets a little, you know, aban- or maybe he abandons the run a little bit later in the season, but I would find it very hard to believe that he would do that for favoriting Jacoby Brissett throwing the ball 60 times a game. No, I, I completely agree. But that's not the issue that the Steelers are facing right now, later this week, right? That's something to be worried about, as you mentioned, starting December 4th, and not mm-hmm. just the Steelers, but the rest of the NFL. Here we are, though, in week three with a much more pressing issue right now. And it's really unfortunate because this team could have been 2-0. This team, for 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 multiple reasons, but not really so much on the defensive side, unless you want to do the butterfly effect of saying, well, if T.J. Watt was healthy, we wouldn't really be that concerned with this game, or we, and we easily could have won last week. But that's not the case. No. The issue here is playing on a short week against the Cleveland Browns team led by Jacoby Brissett, and you're still afraid of losing this game. It has nothing to do with the defense. Even, <coughs> excuse me, even without T.J. Watt on the field, this defense can maybe get a, a couple bends and bend but don't break type of schemes, right? Where or, or, or scenarios where, yes, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt will go off for a couple of carries, but the Steelers come away with only three points allowed, or maybe they get down the field to like the forty yard line, and either Cam Hayward or Alex Highsmith or somebody gets to the quarterback, knocks him out of field position or field goal position, rather, and punts the ball back to the Steelers. So I can see that happening where, yeah, the Browns are going to be running over the Steelers all day, or maybe not all day, but in methodically in methodical ways, right? And that could really tire out the Steelers' defense, but it's just such a good bend-don't-break kind of unit as a whole where this final score could be end up something like 20-6 to six or something yes. like that. Yeah, and again, I look at all of the things that the Browns do well on offense, Mm -hmm. and it scares me a little bit because despite the fact that we all believe the Steelers are better at run defense this year, and I think they're like 24th, 23rd in the league right now, so that's better than 32nd where they finished the season last year. Mm -hmm. You still haven't really seen enough of a sample size to feel comfortable that, oh, this team's much better at stopping the run. Mm -hmm. Oh, they can handle a Nick Chubb and a Kareem Hunt. So I think the unit that has the most on their shoulders Thursday night is that defensive line. Uh, they're, yes. they're they're healthy. You know, you've got Cam, you've got Ogan Joby, you've got Alu Alu all out there. They need to step up big time in this game. And I know that it's hard when you don't have 90 crashing in and run support, but you got to find a way to to step up and play even better. And and I love Cam. He's the one of the best defensive players of our lifetime in a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform. Uh-huh. He did not have his best game. Um, no, he didn't. Last Sunday against the Patriots. But, but Matt Williamson pointed this out on the drive. It wasn't his best game, but it's still a crap load better than a lot of other defensive linemen could have. Absolutely. And era. that's why, you know, I preface saying I love the guy and he's he's one of the best that we have. He's elite when it comes to that yeah. position. Probably the second best at it in the NFL. But he did have a less than Cam Hayward game mm-hmm. in probably one of the worst he times did. he could have had a less than Cam Hayward game. And maybe part of that comes from the adjustment without having Watt out there with him. And maybe now that he's had, you know, a little bit of time, a game to get used to that, you'll see a a little bit of a difference. But I I don't expect to see that Cam Hayward 
uh, more often than the Cam Hayward that you usually see. And so hopefully he steps up and hopefully that entire defensive line steps up because there's a lot riding on them being able to shut that running game down of the Cleveland Browns. Well, yeah, I mean, look at it. Look at the week one game. We we weren't saying beyond the first the first two plays, right? It was the second play of the game where Cam Hayward had already gotten to Joe Burrow. Yeah. I know the offensive line in Cincinnati is a lot less than than the one in Cleveland, but still, that's the kind of impact Cam Hayward can have on a game. Is within the within on the second offensive play by the by the Cincinnati Bengals, he was already at Joe Burrow, getting him to the ground. I'm not saying I need that from him this week, first or second or even the first drive from him, but definitely some a significantly more felt presence than you felt in week two against the Patriots. Well, since the game's tomorrow, Jacob, that means we got to make our Steelers prediction in this episode. Yeah, that's right, buddy. I hate to bring it on you. (laughs) It's pretty early. What do you mean it's pretty early? The game starts tomorrow. (sighs) All right, let's do it. We're not doing it in the Power Rankings episode. It's dedicated solely to Power Rankings. Yeah, that's true. I I worship at the altar of Power Rankings. I'm not going to desecrate them by doing anything else within it other than ranking teams in the NFL. If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. I don't feel confident about this game. I felt really confident about the Patriots yes, game last week. Yes, we all week, did. We all lost. Saw, we all saw that line went go from, what, one and a half to three, and we were all saying in Pittsburgh, what the hell is going on Pretend the gambling line wasn't a thing and gambling wasn't you a still thing. Were I confident. still would have been yeah, super you were confident. Still confident. I thought right. on paper and also just execution-wise, based on what we saw out of them week one versus the Steelers in week one, Steelers were going to have a good, or maybe not an easy time, but they weren't going to have a tough time with the Patriots. I thought they'd win that game by a touchdown at least and we were wrong so now i feel really bad about this game against the browns that obviously means the steelers are going to win right because this team zigs all the time (laughs) when everybody thinks they're going to zag i have no don this is one of the hardest brown steelers games for me to predict i've i felt like in a long time i'm gonna do you feel the same yeah well no actually I just hate that I feel so confident that the Browns are going to win. Are going to win this game? I've got the Browns winning 30 to 20. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, two things. 30 points by the Browns, that's a lot. Where it's, in uh, the What what is wrong? What's the disconnect in your brain right now? They average 28 points per game so far. 30 I get that, is two more the than they Steelers, average. The Steelers have averaged only what? 18 and a half per game? It's more Less than that, I think. Oh, no, it I is. I know, because they allowed 17 yeah, yeah, against New England, 20 against Cincinnati. And they've scored about 18 and a half per game. That's on so. Where are you getting 20 points from? Because it's two more than their average. So you expect one defensive touchdown, I and one offensive I touchdown. I would have been more. I would have been less surprised if you would have gotten on me about the Steelers scoring 20 than the Browns scoring 30, to be honest with no, you. No, I am. I, I said both. Both were surprising. Surprises to me. Sorry, I just think the Browns are going to have success running the football, and maybe that's not again. That's I, I not a negative if... for the Steelers' mm-hmm. defense and stopping the run. I think they're just prolific at running the football. Mm-hmm. All right, you're not going to like what I'm going to say here. You're picking the Steelers. I'm going to take the Steelers in a wacky win, but it's going to be 42 to 10. Uh, about 112 <laughs> to 16. No, I'll go the Steelers 16 
to 13. Oh, what an ugly, boring game that yep. would be. Terrible. That's pretty much how you got to win, though, if you're the Steelers in this 13 game. 13 points allowed. That's not out of this world. And 16 points for. That's not oh, asking for too much. How frustrated, though, are we going to be on Friday recapping the game if they own, even if they win and they only score 16, 16 points. points? I mean, you got it. Think about I'm, that. I'm Think imagining that. the offense is going to look very constipated. Do you understand the math there? Points. That is a touchdown and three field goals. So, so one touchdown. Where does that touchdown come from? Does it come from Minka and company, or does it actually come from Mitch and company? Well, my thirty to twenty prediction, I actually have Gunner returning a punt and Minka really? returning another pick. Six. <laughs> so that's why, and then two more field goals. So there's no, I have no offensive touchdowns actually. No, you don't. In my prediction. Hey, subscribe to SNR's newest podcast. The godfather of Pittsburgh sports is talking nothing but Steelers. It's Savern on Steelers. New episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Subscribe today. Available on the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcasts. Jacob thinks the Steelers pull one out. I think the Browns knock the Steelers down to one and two. We will find out Thursday night, and we will recap who was right and who was wrong on Friday's episodes. But... Before we get out of here on a Wednesday, we got to do our Wednesday power rankings. One of the most exciting mm. moments of my life <laughs> every single week. We'll get into that on the next episode. He's Jacob Brecht. I'm Tom Offerman, and this is the Steelers Standard. If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.